0: Hello, and welcome to every single one of you worms out there. I am your host, Justin, and this is the fifth episode of the Worm Burner Podcast. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day, and uh, as usual, we are going to be taking care of our housekeeping for the episode uh, right now. So uh, we did have a question this week uh, that was released on Friday, uh, so it was a little bit late, but anyways, regardless... The question of the week was what team did Michael Bradley play for before he moved to Toronto FC? And so the answer to that question was AS Roma. So nobody answered it this week, but if you want a shout-out on the Worm Burner podcast, every single week we will release a question for the fans, you guys, uh, to answer and the correct answers that are posted within the first three answers Uh, We'll get a shout out on the next episode, or that week's next episode of the Van Burner Podcast. Uh, So this week's answer was A.S. Roma and the team that Michael Bradley used to play for before he moved to Toronto FC. So this week we have an amazing episode for you. We're going to be focusing on the defense this week, and as you can tell, the last couple episodes we had a trend. So. Episode 3 primarily focused on the strikers, whereas Episode 4 with our special guest focused on the midfield. Now, uh, we're continuing that trend backwards and going over the defense this week. So, uh, we'll be going over defense uh, in the aspect of the position with fullbacks. So, uh, for the people with the right and left back position uh, for soccer, or just in general, uh, this week's episode is going to be going over you guys, as well as I will be presenting some information as to the different roles when it comes to playing this position, uh, and even some examples for you guys. So if you ever wanted to look up YouTube videos over these players, feel free to. Uh, I highly encourage it, actually, uh, because I feel like the more that you view the player and more you immerse yourself with the actual ability Uh, and technique that they do, uh, it just ups your game more mentally as a player. So uh, that is the episode that we are going to have this week. And, of course, we round off with our extra man advice of the week. So uh, after that, uh, that'll be the end of the show. So uh, I'm going to take one very quick break, and we'll launch into the entire episode for this week. So uh, stay tuned. And with that break taken, I am ready and we're going to go ahead and dive into this fifth episode of the Worm Burner podcast. So this week we are going to be talking about fullbacks and being the way that I am, I want to be able to break down and actually use previous experience uh, and show what the importance of these positions are. So with the fullback position, I had a lot of time and consideration to be able to actually look over this. And one thing that I've noticed when it comes to the American sport of soccer, it there's a lot of neglect when it comes to defense and there's definitely some history and some knowledge that has been shown throughout the sport itself from even different countries themselves. Uh, I know for a fact that a lot of people consider the Italian League to be a very defensive league uh, when it comes to the world, whereas uh, other teams like the Brazilian the Brazilian teams and the Brazilian League, um, they have a full-on motto of, being able to score one more than your opponent, so their defense is more of a attachment to their attacking motions and uh, just in general overall attacking premise on the field, and America, it's more of a sense of like it's two completely different things, and I had said this in previous episodes, and I feel like I'm Rehashing old wounds, and I feel like that's something that needs to happen for us to be able to learn. Is yes, it can be painful to be able to go over these wounds, but it has to be done at least from a fundamental level at the youth level. It's something that needs to happen to be able to change it to where we can make it better as a nation ourselves. And something that I've preached from day one soccer has never ever ever been an American sport, and at least to me personally, I'm sick and tired of it being treated as an American sport, because it's not. It has been around the world since the late 1800s. This is a sport that has, yes, reached globally, but America has never, hardly ever, at least from the male point of view, from the male's uh, side, ever been a part of the larger picture. Yes, of course the females have been a part of that larger picture and and I'm not trying to say otherwise, but for the males let's, let's be honest, we should be better and we're not. And uh, that's where it's led me to this discussion of defenses. I remember with previous times I had coached that uh, some of the kids were even scared to move move forward to even be a part of the attack and i love these kids to death they were able to show me and teach me how i needed to be a coach myself be able to be open minded and let them know like hey it's okay to come forward be a part of the attack like it's a mentality that at least as americans ourselves we don't put a lot of effort into bettering the game as of lately. And I want to be able to provide that knowledge. And I feel that my message hasn't been coming across, and I wanted to use this episode as a rebuffer, as to resolidify what I want my message to be. And so with the defense, it is a very fluid motion Coming from up and down the field, even though, yes, it is further back on the field, a lot of people, I feel, at least with the American mindset, and I'll be referring to it as the, the American mindset, the, more, the American culture or what little American culture, we do have a soccer. Uh, the American thought of soccer when it comes to defense is nobody wants to defend. Everyone wants to be up front scoring goals. Whereas, let's be, let's be real when it comes to the overall world aspect of soccer, <laughs> it, sometimes the defense is even the most important part of the field because when you are ahead 3-0, 4-0 in a match, when players get complacent, when they get easy, relaxed, like this is an, this is an easy, good game, and they have that mental switch off of, okay, we can relax now. The other team is going to see that, and they are going to make you pay for it and That's something that, as me for me as a coach, I don't want my players to to do ever have that mindset of oh, defense isn't really that important because if they end up scoring a goal, then it'll just be that much more important for us to score a goal no don't even let them score in the first place that's that's just the whole premise of soccer itself don't let them score at all and then you be the one to score first it's i know that it this seems like a completely elementary factor when it comes to soccer but it's something when it comes to the american thought process of soccer it's not established that well. When it comes to defense and attack, we treat it like two different things. I had, As I had stated in the midfield episode uh, last week, this is two completely different mindsets, and it shouldn't be. There should be a, a fluid motion throughout the entire team, throughout the entire pitch. There should be this fluid motion. And I used to do some activities when it cu- when it came to the players on the field of being able to move the entire team as one. And that's important to be able to have, is once you have everyone within the team moving together and being able to move up and down the pitch comfortably, that is a very vital and important aspect of the game itself. Because I had seen from previous experience when it comes to some teams uh, in lower divisions that I watch, sometimes that fluidity is not there and seeing the bigger teams like Manchester City, like Juventus, like Barcelona. when you see those teams, they are up and down the pitch in a very, very fluid motion. Um, It's almost graceful in a way. And I feel that, With the American aspect of the game, like I had said before, that fluidity, that gracefulness of having the formation flow throughout the field is lackluster. And I feel that that stems from the defense itself. The defense itself is the root of the formation. Yes, the goalkeeper is very, very important, and I'm not trying to say that he isn't otherwise, because of course he is but the root of the defense is or the the root of the formation is in the defense and if that root doesn't move then what are you supposed to do if like for example when it comes to trees growing within a forest sometimes if a tree isn't getting a certain amount of light it needs to move it needs to be able to grow a particular way to be able to find that sunlight, to be able to survive it, and it's the same. It's the same exact uh, metaphor for a formation. You need that fluidity to be able to survive within the match of being able to rely on the teammates. You can't. This isn't a individualistic sport, and something that needs to be said as well is being able to trust your teammates, even from a young age, even from the Pee Wee League, when it comes to soccer itself, like being able to trust your teammates is very, very, very important within the, the realm of soccer. And that fluidity and that mental aspect of it can't be blocked. And I feel at least with the mentality as the American thought, it has been. So with that explained, I want to be able to go forward with the Uh, position breakdown of fullbacks. So fullbacks are a bit different than a lot of the other positions when it comes to the world of soccer. Fullbacks have the defensive premise of being back, making sure that wingers on the sides or, uh, I'm sorry, I say wingers, uh, but I really and truly mean attacking midfielders and even right and left midfielders, um, on either side, being making sure that they aren't getting behind them, making sure that they aren't exposing the areas behind them that are wider than the central defenders that are in the middle of the pitch. You don't want that exposure to be a negative factor. The outlay of the pitch itself, you don't want to have your fullbacks too far forward or you want you don't want a left or right back to be so far forward that those positions are exposed uh, for your center backs and then they have to track over to the right and or left respectively uh, to be able to cover those positions. So coaches can designate what's called a fullback to be able to stay back there and to be able to make sure that these wide positions aren't overrun with either a left or a right attacking midfielder, as well as even sometimes the right midfielder and left midfielder can even get get up there and expose those. Uh, And even from the very rare time to time, or not, I shouldn't say rare, but even from time to time, uh, the defender of the opposite team can get that far up the field. And you don't want those positions exposed, especially if they're a fast player. And... When having a fullback, that's a very a very big pro- a positive when it comes to having the fullback. Having them set back that far, they don't have to worry too much about the speed. It is if they see them making a, a blazing run, uh, they have a lot more reaction time uh, versus if they are more forward on the pitch, uh, and then they see them running behind them, they're like, oh crap, we got to get back. So it's it's one of those. Things that having that fullback back so far, it's a very vital piece of information uh, for the position itself, and something that coaches need to either be able to work with, and having those faster left and attacking left and right attacking midfielders to play against, uh, you need to be able to have the tactics to be able to make that work, and it only it all comes with time, it all comes with practice and. Having those uh, exposures, it teaches you, it makes makes you pay attention and be more aware of, of what's going on. So, you, of course, as a coach and even as, as a parent and a, and a player, this is where the important saying, at least for me, goes of keeping your head on a swivel. When it comes to the defense, you need to keep your head on a swivel because that is probably the most important thing to be able to do other than being positionally aware of what where you are. Make sure that your head is on a swivel. You need to know where your teammates are, you need to know where the ball is, and you need to make sure you know where every single other uh, opposing player is. And that's where that starts in the defense, being able to be alert, even though, yes, the defense may not seem as gleanful, as glorious as being a striker or an attacking midfielder scoring all the goals for your team and being able to be one of the reasons why uh, you got the W at the end of the day. The defense is a lot more subtle. They are kind of the hidden hero uh, per se. Uh, they aren't glorified as much, uh, at least in the American aspect of soccer. And I feel that it's important to be able to show these players to be able to give them their due diligence and to give them the glory when it's when it's needed. And so having that that head on the swivel, being able to understand the situation that you are in is vital. And so that's the advice that I'd say as well for anyone that is playing this position as well as. Um, when it comes to the fullback right and left, uh, they can get further up the pitch, but again, like I had said before, they are a part of the attack as well. And with these fullbacks, um, they do are a part of the attack, they're providing width within the formation. And once they do go forward, they're able to cross the ball into the box, maybe even aiming for uh, the poacher or the complete forward, as we were talking about before uh, in episode three. Sometimes, and even for a later episode that we'll be going over, uh, a target man, so a very tall individual uh, that is there to... create a aerial dominance within the box for uh, your team against the opposing team and that is vital when it comes to the width having that width um, sometimes teams can be very compact they will come back and they will crunch in uh, within that 15 yard box within the the large box on a, a at the opposing end of the field, they will want to smash as many people in there as possible. And sometimes it's very congested. And when it comes to that congestion, you can't just rip a ball from outside the 18-yard box and just pray that it goes in. (laughs) You can't do that. So it's one of those things to be able to say, hey, Maybe if they're going to smash everyone in, we can just create this perimeter around them. And that's why, as well, when it comes to these positions of not advancing too far forward, is when you have these crunch teams where they just come back and they press the box Heavily when they defend, and just making sure that every single able body is back there defending against any shot from outside the box. Uh, maybe when it comes to a a tactic point of view, having that that cup going around the perimeter of that box, and the wing back or the fullbacks uh, are very vital. They are that wide area of okay. So if anybody gets behind me, that cup. Or that, uh, half sphere in a way, uh, is kind of broken. And having, they, they, there is a lot more area when it comes to the right and or left side, uh, if the fullback is out of position and the the quote unquote half circle is broken with the actual pressure of keeping the opponent within their eighteen yard box, it's something that it's it's very very important and i feel that when it comes to these fullbacks the attacking mindset is very very vital as well so yes they are further back and they are able to um get forward more and to be able to have more of an attack uh, or they are able to have an attacking presence uh versus other uh very 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 defensive uh fullbacks or right or left backs Um, So this is where I would say that this is where the detailed example of the fullback ends. Um, So I want to go ahead and give some examples of that. Some of the older players that I would mention uh, for right and left backs uh, or right and left fullbacks uh, would be Marcelo, uh, Roberto Carlos, uh, Felipe Luis, uh, Maicon, Philip Lom, as well as a slightly older, yet still a part of the older, or still a part of the younger generation, is Joshua Kimmick. Um, And then you also have the younger individuals. If you don't want to necessarily look up to the older individuals, maybe you want to look up to somebody that's a little younger. Um, maybe look at somebody like Tagli- Nicholas Tagliafico, uh, for Ajax, as well as Aaron Wan-Bissaka. You also have Benjamin Pavard. I know that he does play a central defense, but he does have some games in which he is playing either right back or left back. Um, as well as Serginio Dest. Obviously, if you want to follow an American, I'd highly advise it. It's something that maybe you can look up to as an idol uh, that even me and Brandon discussed in the previous episode, episode 4, and as well as Max Ahrens. Um, So these players are able to give you a premise towards Maybe using the advice that I had said of watching that player throughout the entire match, figure out what team they play for, and, and even maybe for later episodes, I can tell the teams that these guys played for or they currently play for, and you are able to watch one of their games, be able to follow that player throughout the entire match, and make sure that you understand what's going on, at least tactically. Um, maybe it may t- it may take some time, and that's okay. We have plenty of time to be able to learn this beautiful, beautiful game, and I just want to be able to use that to my advantage of even making this podcast, so that's one of the main exact reasons why I've made this podcast too as well, is to be able to, no matter if this is uh, something that you listen to five minutes after it's posted or five years after it's posted, it's... Extremely important for you to be able to learn uh, from these instances and scenarios that uh, you may be even be able to watch online or even off a broadcast uh, with even like amazon prime or maybe even like a hulu tv or something like that it's it's very very vital to be able to have those moments understanding what they're what's going on even tactically uh, no matter the age uh, being able to show that you are understanding the game just as much as somebody older than you which is another thing when it comes to the youth setup here within the u.s it's something that i don't believe is correct, but I don't think it's wrong either. I think it's flawed a lot of, a lot like other things. Um, when it comes to the youth setup over in England, they have a lot of under-15s, uh, under-17s, uh, under-19s. Those players can be moved up, and they don't have to hold within this bracket of, okay, Let's do high schoolers with high schoolers. Let's do college players with college players. There's nothing wrong with the system that we do have, but being able to introduce these younger players to the Older players that have a lot more experience, they're going to learn a lot quicker, and I can promise you that I've seen the results that it that it has to the actual youth players themselves. I mean, look at example again. Example A, England. Look at example B, Germany. Look at all the youth setups throughout the entire world. We are one of the only ones that we only keep the age bracket within the age bracket, um, and not move everyone up and down like i i remember when i was uh, working for one of my previous uh, jobs there was a player that we really really wanted to move up to another age bracket but because of the basic fear of being at that higher division they were like no i'm i was just absolutely floored like i i remember having that reaction of not having like of that exchange just in general of someone not wanting to step up to the next level of competition due to the fact of it being too hard being too scared of it and that's okay i don't want players to be scared i want them to see that competition and when a coach comes up to you and says that you can comp- compete at that higher level don't take that as as something to Be like, uh, I don't know if I can make it. If your coach is saying that you can make it, that is a very positive thing. And assert that confidence when it comes to being a player themselves. I feel that, at least from an American aspect as well, the confidence isn't necessarily up to par uh, as it is compared to the rest of the world. And maybe that's okay. That's something that we can work with. That's something as a coach that we can work with. And w- there's all sorts of dynamics when it comes to this beautiful game, and I want to explore all of them. So uh, let's go ahead and get into our extra man advice of the week. And with our extra man advice of the week, I wanted to build off of what I was just talking about uh, with confidence when it comes to the players themselves. Uh, being confident as a soccer player it is very, very important. It is very uh, essential, I would even say, uh, maybe not to the point of being braggadocious, being someone that uh, revolves a very prideful player. Um, being confident is a whole different ballgame, and that's something that I wanted to rope in a actual player themselves. There is a, pl- a striker by the name of Zlatan Ibrahimovic, which I know for a fact. I've talked about him in previous episodes, but. To pull in what he has said, there was an interview where he was talking about uh, being able to do all of these phenomenal flips and kicks and all these acrobatic kind of uh, attacks on the ball, why he was able to do that so well. And the key attribute that he said that was important wasn't even being lumber, being flexible as a player, uh, being open-minded as a player. The number one trait that he said was confidence. Confidence as a player to be able to say, you know what? I'm gonna try that. I'm gonna I wanna be able to do that. I wanna be able to say, hey, I did that. Yeah, sure. I may have done it five times before that and made myself look like a complete fool. That's okay. And that's exactly what Zlatan had said, as in, in his interview, he said basically, uh, not verbatim, of course, but he said, "If you fear that you're gonna fall and break your leg, then don't do it." Like it, it's that confidence that, even though yes, you may hurt yourself, being able to have that mental reaction, to have that mental learning ability of, okay, hey, maybe I didn't do it correctly. Maybe I need to watch some more videos. Maybe I need to look at more players that have actually done it to be able to learn from them. Uh, And this is all a learning process. Every single bit of this, even this podcast, even everything having to do with soccer, it's a learning process. And I want to be able to help with that. And having that confidence is very important as a soccer player. I cannot stress that enough. And it kind of also goes towards the very first extra man advice of the week. When you are able to actually envision what's going on, the daily uh, or the very short mental daydreaming, even that's okay. Being able to see all the acrobatic, maybe even you want to try a bicycle kick. Sure. That's not outlandish. That's not something that's uh it it's, con- it's considered very very flary, or uh, it's a flare move something that is very flamboyant i guess is a very good term to use for that it's it's very out there it shows hey i'm here to play i want to be serious this is this is what you can do um it's a it's a skill move that uh, per se and when it comes to those players Uh, that are able to do that it's something that maybe when you had thought about doing that with your mental daydreaming that's something that you can do and you can think about it because as studies again with the extra man advice of the week for the first week having that mental connection between daydreaming and actually being in those real scenarios your mind at least has prepared mentally for those exact same scenarios. And having that ability to be able to do something like that is amazing. I mean, let's be honest, to be able to have a soccer player at the end of the day at a certain age group maybe, to be able to do a bicycle kick uh, maybe even three times out of five, that's that's pretty impressive. And even some of the best probably couldn't even do it as, as frequent as that. It, it depends. It it really and truly depends on how many times that they want to even be able to do it. Um, and having that ability, it just adds more value towards these players. It adds more authentic, authenticity as well as just overall confidence. And, and it comes back to confidence. It just boosts the player up even further uh, mentally as well. So... Uh, that is going to be the very last bit of the episode this week. I really hope that you enjoyed it, and I hope that all of my points were conveyed in a very clear and concise form. Uh, if there's any way possible that you want to comment, let me know. If there's anything that I can do better, you can even go to our Facebook page. It's The Wormburner Burner Podcast, and let me know what you think. Even go out there, as I had stated before, and you be able to answer our questions of the week and get a shout out on the very next episode of the Warm Burner podcast. So I'll, I will be posting the question of the week uh, tomorrow uh, and I hope all of you have an amazing day and I look forward to seeing all of you again next week uh, for the Warm Burner podcast. So ciao everyone.